Now, it's CSL, Charlotte Sports Live. Right now on Charlotte Sports Live, the Hornets prove that they are no match for the defending Eastern Conference champions. We've got highlights from South Beach coming up. And a shocker at Jerry World proved today that you should never expect the expected during the NFL playoffs. Welcome into an hour-long edition of Charlotte Sports Live. Grace Grill and Gabe McDonald with you tonight for the next hour. And Gabe, it's our first night without a Panthers game in about four months. What are we going to do? It seems like the season just flew right by, of course, but we still got some playoff games coming up. The Black and Blue sitting at home watching some pretty lopsided playoff games right now. A good one going on in Detroit, though. Carolina still busy searching for a head coach and a general manager, though. We're going to touch on that later up tonight. But first, we start with another team that unfortunately doesn't like to win, and that would be your Charlotte Hornets. The Hornets loses a 15 of their last 16 coming into tonight. Coach Cliff trying to get the guys ready for this divisional matchup against the Heat. And it was all Miami to start. Early turnovers doomed the Hornets. Jamie Hawkes with the steal, and then he takes it to the other end with the little rim graze and finish a light dunk there. 15 points in 15 minutes for the rookie. Charlotte down nine in the first. Later in the frame, now a double-digit deficit for the Bucks. Duncan Robinson, the lob, Bam Adebayo with the finish. A 10-point game after one. Hornets down 21 in intermission. Steve Cliff looking for some kind of answer in the 305. But his game, his guys come out letting it fly to start in the second half. Lamella Ball, the feed to Terry Rogier. He's running from deep. Scary Terry with 26 to lead the Hornets tonight. Also had seven assists and five boards. One of those dimes coming right here. Same connection, just the other way around. Terry hits Lamello in the corner. He connects on the trifecta. Mello with a double-double in his second game back from injury. 21 points and 10 boards. But this one, yeah, wasn't even close. Adebayo prevents the turnover, goes to work, and throws it down. He led the way for the Heat tonight with 24-10-7. This game was one that saw the Hornets never have a lead as they fall 104-87. to Shot making, I, to be honest, there's nothing more important in basketball than shot making. I mean, if you look at all the best teams in our league, they have the most shot makers, you know. So in that light, you know, we're, you know, somewhat limited, actually, right? So we're, we're pretty reliant on two or three guys to do that. So on the nights when they're not going as well, it's definitely harder for us than it is for most teams. Coach Cliff Gipping get a whole stack after that. When looking at the box score here, LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, and Miles Bridges each had at least 20 points tonight, but none of them shot the ball particularly well. The next high score after that trio, T.J. Washington with five points. So a dreadful offensive performance race. I mean, when your next guy has five points, you only shoot 34% from the field. Like I said, it's tough to win. It's really tough that to win. That is an all-time from Steve Clifford. Oh, it is. I love yeah. Steve Clifford. And, I mean, you got what is he going to say after these games? Because he's, he's getting no production from his guys, but uh, shot making. No, jot that down. Very important in basketball. Yeah. I love that. But, okay, 16 points first quarter, yeah. 15 points second quarter. That's just not going to win basketball games in the NBA. And yeah. the, the, the hard part about this is that – they just don't look like they have any energy they out don't. there. Like, it's not that, okay, shots aren't falling our way. We can't catch a break. If you want to throw the refs in there, yeah. they, they have no energy. Yeah, and you don't want to get to the point where it seems like guys are really giving up because that's the one thing that we don't want to see. Yeah, this roster is depleted. Nick Richards, a pretty dreadful performance tonight. Minus, he had a minus 15, only two points. A pretty big disappointment so far, of course. We'd like to see Mark Williams back on the court. But that's the one thing you don't want to see. You don't want to see these guys completely throw in the towel just yet. Of course, this isn't the most inspiring performance, but you really got to be able to take something away from this, and it's just you got to you got to be able to knock. Well, in a game that it. that you could argue, because I, I think the Hornets have talent on yeah. that team. I just they don't. Do. For some reason, it just doesn't all work together, or it's energy flow, or whatever. Because that was a winnable game with well, Miami down. I mean, Jimmy Butler, yeah, everybody, they were down players, yeah. but so. 
Just another frustrating night. Well, let's go to the Carolina Panthers. While players watch the playoffs from home, there's still plenty to do at 800 South Mint Street. You know, hire head coach and general manager. Meanwhile, one of the top, one of the Panthers' top coaches could get a promotion with another team. Today, we learned the Falcons interviewed Panthers defensive coordinator Adriano Avero for their head coaching opening. Carolina also interviewed Avero last week. Well, it was a quiet weekend in the Panthers' head coaching search. That's mainly because a bulk of their candidates are coaching in the playoff games this weekend and cannot be interviewed for NFL roles. No in-person interviews can begin until January 22nd. It should be noted that the Panthers have interviewed four of their 12 candidates so far virtually. So in addition to current coaches Chris Tabor and Edro Rivero, they've also spoken with Ravens offensive coordinator Todd Munkin and Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. So Gabe McDonald, what do you think Peppers pitches to these candidates? How do you pitch the Panthers' job? A whole job? lot of this right here. That's obviously one of, going to be one of the starters, but I think a big thing, too, you have the chance to develop a young rookie quarterback. A lot of these coaches, especially the young offensive coaches, they want to be paired and married with that young guy because that's part of their legacy. You look at Mike McDaniel down there with what he's doing with Tua. You look at, Bob, obviously, Bobby Slowick, who is a candidate, what he's done with C.J. Stroud. I think you could see one of these young guys, but also you have some young defensive stars. You have guys like... Obviously, Frankie Louvu, who they hope to re-sign. Derek Brown, who had a great season this year. Even J.C. Horn, who hasn't been on the field too much, but when he's on the field, he looks good. So I think those are kind of the main yeah. things that a coach is looking at. I got a chance to kind of build a legacy with a young team that's also trying to build one of their own. And for some of these guys, that could be pretty enticing to them. So that's a great point about the defense because I know the narrative has recently been, oh, we need an offensive-minded coach in there, which I got. Like yeah. the, the first time around, I definitely got that, when, especially when they were going up to – we knew they were going to go take a quarterback. But the defense is what the Panthers are about. I mean, you yeah. could argue they've always been about that sure. right now. But – Bringing in a defensive mind might actually be the right move here just because that's the unit that is the most productive. True. And then you bring in an offensive coordinator that can specifically work with Bryce and getting that offense jump started. Yeah, that's a big thing. You want to be able to hit on those coordinators. But two guys who had auditions this weekend, Bobby Slowick, Ben Johnson right now, looking pretty good. So we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. Well, the Panthers also in search of a general manager. The team announced early last Monday that Scott Fitterer has been let go. Fitterer took over the GM of the franchise in 2021 and since then had a league-worst record of 14-37 and since taking over personnel decisions. Fitterer, of course, orchestrated the trade to move up and take Bryce Young first overall in last year's draft. He also was responsible for sending Pro Bowl running back Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers. But the move that he will probably be most remembered for in Carolina was the trade he didn't make, turning down the Rams' offer of two first-round picks for Brian Burns. The NFL is about getting results, and those simply weren't coming. But beyond that, he was well-liked in the building over there on South Mint Street. Great relationship with him. Got a lot of respect for him. Uh, and as, as in anything, it's always tough uh, when, when there's a – you know, a departure, and, and you don't, you won't you won't see him every day and those type of things. So. I, I definitely do appreciate that. Um, like you said, he, he obviously played a big part in just allowing me to be here, and that took a, that took a lot, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, you know, I wish nothing but but the best for him moving forward. But yeah, it's definitely tough to see. So this is another interesting opening as well to some reports that I've seen about 34 million in cap space. But I think when you look at the main priorities. 
you got to figure out what you're going to do with Brian Burns. I think that's a trade that should have been made because especially when you figure out you don't have a first-round pick right now, but you got to figure out if you're going to trade him, you're going to extend him, franchise tag, that should be one of the top priorities. But also, Derrick Brown needs to be paid by yesterday. He should have been paid already. Yeah. you got to be able to extend him because he had a great year. You want to keep a guy like that as a building block around. But a decent amount of cap space to play with this year, I think that could also be enticing for whoever wants to come in as well. Yeah, and you want – Obviously, you yeah. want somebody that's going to come in and know what to do with that and how yeah. and how to build. I think most of that needs to be, well, I don't know. You go, you definitely need the offense to start sure. working here. But I think your two top priorities, everyone wants to talk about the Brian, Brian Burns being a priority, but there was a lot of people that if they were going to trade him away when that, when that, we found out that trade was going to happen that weren't okay with that because they were like, he's your main piece. Where I, don't, I think that season, gone. I think this season maybe changed that a little bit. If you're asking me, I think your two top priorities are obviously Derek Brown, yeah. but I, I'm leaning towards Frankie Louvu. I yeah. mean, that guy just played. I think there's something to say about the guys that just play hard no matter what the circumstances sure. it and he's, are. Well, he's one of those for sure. And he definitely added a – even just for the locker room, I think he just sure. added a better mindset about it. I'm not blaming Brian Burns because I definitely think he had valid sure. reasons to yeah. – Also get a lot of weapons and retool that offensive line. Definitely got to figure that out as well. All right, well, a lot of people think they know the real Jim Harbaugh. And coming up tonight on CSL, a Gastonia family shows us a side of the Michigan head coach that not many know about. NFL playoffs continuing today. We saw a real head scratcher in Dallas as the Cowboys get crushed. We'll show you how Green Bay did it as the seventh seed coming up next on Charles Sports Live. Back here on Charlotte Sports Live, we had another late wild card game tonight. The Lions hosting the Rams. We're in the second half of this one late, and it's finally a good game this week in Detroit, up 24 to 23 with under five minutes to go. All right, well, to the other NFC wild card game today, Dallas at home against Green Bay, a team that just barely made the playoffs, and what a head-scratching start to this one. Late first half, Jordan Love finds Dontavian Wicks for the 20-yard score. Love finished with 272 yards and three touchdowns. Packers up 20 to nothing, but oh, it gets worse for the Cowboys. This time, it's on Dak Prescott. He's picked off here for the second time. Darnell Savage with nothing but open field ahead of him. 64-yard pick six. Green Bay led 27-7 at the break. Dallas was able to get something going in the second half, but really too little, too late. And too many weapons from Green Bay. Aaron Jones inserting himself into the highlight there. He was all over this game with 118 yards and three scores. Brothers divided. One sad and the other gets to rub it in. Packers on to the divisional round where they will face the top seed. San Francisco 49ers, they take this one 48 to 32. What a shocker out there in Dallas. All right, well, it's time to quick six. Mike Lissette decided to join us in the house for our famous segment. Let's go ahead and put two minutes on the clock. And Grace, you're actually going to start us off by this time next week. Do you think the Panthers will have hired either a head coach or a general manager? I don't think so. I think especially with they're not allowed to interview everybody until that January 22nd mark, I think was we said what the yeah. date was. And I think they really, this is, they really want to take their time with this one and, and uh, go with it. Yeah, you got to give this one right if you're doing All right, Mike, if you're the Panthers' new GM, what's the first thing to do outside of hiring a head coach? I'll go 1A, 1B. 1A, you call Bryce Young, you say, Bryce, you're my guy. I want you to relax. I want you to get your mind cleared this offseason. 
come back ready to go. 1B, this is the big one. I gotta find a way to get back in the first round. Don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I'm gonna do it. Absolutely, that's a big thing. You don't want your first pick to be 33rd overall. All right, Grace, not who you want, but which players do you actually see the Hornets trading in the next month? Oh, well, I, I definitely don't want this guy to go because I love watching him play, but I, I think Gordon Hayward could be a candidate for trade. Just he's, his contract's expiring, and I think maybe, yeah, I just think he's probably their most. Deadline could get interesting. All right, Mike, do you think the Hornet Stadium renovations will result in more wins for the franchise? I, I do in the sense that the practice facilities are going to be more advanced. I think that's something that they're looking forward to do. I think if, if it increases the fan experience and it gets the Spectrum Center to be the hopping place to be in Charlotte, I think you know that'll attract more free agents to come here. That place needs energy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It feels like a piano recital sometimes. Wow. All right, Grace. After serving his indefinite suspension, Draymond Green is set to make his return tomorrow. Do you think he's now a changed man after that? What is this question? Who wrote this question? <laughs> I wrote this question. Did you? What, 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 is, what is wrong what with did, this question? Like, what did you think my answer was? What going is wrong to be? with I'm, this question? He went through extensive therapy. He had to sit there and think about it. It's like when I said, Kara, to timeout. It's like, Kara, no, you cannot watch TV. Stop asking, go to timeout. She comes back, she stops asking about it. I mean, I 100% believe in redemption, and I hope he's learned his lesson, but sh sure. All right, Mike, last one. <laughs> Off air, we did a CSL taste test with some new Buffalo wings. What are the best wings you've ever had in your life? Well, uh, number one, it's no longer there. It's called uh, it's called Chuck's in Syracuse. Uh, it was a sweet taste. The other one, it is still there. It's called Cluck University uh, okay. in uh, New Jersey. Uh, they have a waiver they make you sign if they think the wings are too hot. So that way you won't sue them if, if you have too much of a reaction to the hot wing. Yeah, might need to avoid those. All right, well, the Bulls honored their 1996 championship team on Friday. Coming up, we'll take, you a we'll take a trip down memory lane and look back at the game that got it all started. The first of 72, and it actually came against the Hornets. It's coming up next here on CSL. The Chicago Bulls championship team from 1996 reunited Friday for the team's Ring of Honor ceremony, and it was a little bit awkward. Not only were Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Robin no-shows, fans of the United Center booed their late general manager, Gary Krause, much to the dismay of his distraught widow who attended the event in his place. There was a very strange epilogue to a team whose origins actually have local ties, and for more on that, here's our basketball guru, Mike Lissette. Yeah, I want to take you back to November 1995, game. We didn't know it then, but we were about to see a history-making team Bulls win a then-NBA record 72 games in the regular season en route to their fourth of six championships. Every journey has a first step, and theirs just so happened to come against the Hornets. If you had to pick a game that best summed up the greatness of the 1995-1996 Chicago Bulls, it most likely wouldn't be their first. Oh, yes! We didn't realize how good we could be and how things were going to break down after that. That's because their season opener was, well, a bit odd. With the off-season acquisition of Dennis Rodman, the Bulls were just starting to come together as a team. Well, Charlotte at that point was coming apart. We felt like our bubble had burst a little bit in the locker room. The day of the game, all heck had broken loose for the Hornets. Earlier, the team sent center Alonzo Mourning to Miami in a multi-player deal. And when tip time approached, Charlotte only had nine players in uniform. I mean, we had a front line of, of Robert Paris and George Zedek. And yet somehow, they, along with all-star forward Larry Johnson, were proving to be too much for the so-called team of the 90s. The Bulls were without starting center Luke Longley. 
And things looked even worse for Chicago when Scottie Pippen left the game for good in the second quarter with a groin injury. Scottie, you go back and look at the numbers, played 10 minutes. He just couldn't move. Here's Michael Jordan. Look out. But Michael Jordan could. And on this night, his 42 points would be the difference as the Bulls rallied to win. Floating in the lane and the foul. It definitely wasn't pretty. Nor was it indicative that a historic run was underway. Right down the lane. But in hindsight, there were signs. We had guys stepped up, and I think that's when you look back at that team. Obviously, uh, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Tony Kukoc were the drivers of that team. But everyone else understood what they had to do. The first of 72, and the first of three losses the Bulls would hand the Hornets that season including one later in the year, in which they'd open the game with 20 unanswered. At that point, they knew they had something special. Uh, and anytime they saw a team that they knew they should beat on paper, they were going to do that. Like Rome, the Bulls weren't built in a day. But let the record show. First brick was laid against the Hornets. One weird season opener. Now, as for the Hornets, they did not make the playoffs that year. However, they actually accounted for one of the Bulls' 10 losses as they would beat Chicago in Chicago in their fourth and final matchup of the season. Guys? All right, thanks, Mike. On to women's college hoop today. Charlotte taking on UT San Antonio, but it might as well have been Houston as Tracy Houston knocks down a triple. And she did it all and then some today. How about in transition? Two passes for Charlotte, and Tracy Houston finishes it off at the other end. She finished the game with a game-high 27 points and five rebounds. Niners trailing in the fourth, but here's J.C. Busick from up top. She finished with 12, as did Deja Lawrence, whose bucket here would force double overtime. But unfortunately, the Niners in that second extra period fall 81-80. Loss for the 49ers. We're back here in the Tar Heel State. 20th ranked North Carolina playing host to Virginia this afternoon. Picked this one up in the second quarter. Off the inbound, Lexi Donarski puts it up from the corner and buries the triple. Carolina extends its lead to double digits. Later in the frame, heels up by nine. Now Deja Kelly with the rock in pretty much the same exact spot. She lets it fly and puts it in. Carolina in front by 12. They led by five at the break. Into the third now, still a five-point game. Kelly still with the hot hand. She connects on another deep three. Kelly exposed for a game-high 27 points. Tar Heels eventually pull away as they get it done, 81-68 over Virginia. All right, while the Panthers are searching for their next head coach, other teams are interviewing Panthers coaches for their openings. We'll dive into the NFL coaching carousel next. And it was a magical Saturday night at Truist Field, but not for baseball. We wrap up the Queen City Outdoor Classic. If you're watching Charlotte Sports Live, we're back in just two minutes. Back here on Charlotte Sports Live, while the Panthers search for their next head coach, some current Panthers coaches are being heavily recruited. Today, the Falcons announced that they interviewed Panthers defensive coordinator Adriel Evero for their head coach opening. Carolina also interviewed him this past week. The Panthers may have not done much right this season, but Evero's defense has been a bright spot for sure. Welcome back to Charlotte Sports Live. I'm Grace Grill alongside Mike Lissette now, and we'll check in with Gabe McDonald in just a little bit. Well, everyone is watching the NFL playoffs, which, by the way, that game just ended, and the Lions actually won. How about that? The curse is over. Uh, we are keeping an eye on the coaching carousel. Unfortunately, the Panthers are part of that scrum, though, for the second straight season. Here's a look at all the current head coaching openings. We might be ahead of you. 
Dallas Cowboys. That was shortly after their performance today. Jerry Jones did not comment on it after the game, other than saying the loss was very disappointing. Besides Carolina, Atlanta, Las Vegas, the LA Chargers, Tennessee, Washington, Seattle, they're all searching for a head coach. So Grace, then that begs the question, which of these openings is the most desirable? Well, you made the comment about about Dallas yes. and, and Jerry Jones would comment, but I did see something pop up on my phone that they did ask Dak Prescott and Dak Prescott responded with, well, if he's in question, then I need to be in question too. So there's that comment. I don't know. I think there's a, this is, I think any of those options is better than the Carolina Panthers. I hate to say it. Why say that? Come on now. Do we have time to go into that? We love we live we in Carolina. Yeah, no, we don't great, have time to go into that. You know, I mean. Yeah. No, the well, I love Carolina. I love Carolina, but the, uh, the coaching isn't the, the best option here. Um, I think if the Dallas thing opens up, I do think that is intriguing. I also think Washington is um, an intriguing spot just for that ownership group. Who wouldn't we want a coach for Magic deal, Johnson? Yeah, I was going to say Magic, but it is demanding. I mean, you are expected to win there. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, you wouldn't pick L.A. They got a, they got a quarterback in, in, in place right now. I think that's the easy one. Outside well, that's of the, LA. That, was the most, that was the question, which is the most desirable. Well, that's the one everyone's going to go for. I think outside of L.A., I think Washington is interesting to me. So L.A. is the most desirable, but you're going against the green. and Sorry, why are you fighting me on this? Who's no. your most desirable? I, you LA, asked for my opinion. LA I'm giving you the, my opinion. You there's said, a right. Oh, so we, there's a right. L.A. was the easy answer. <laughs> I love when people ask me my opinion and then say that well, that's the wrong Atlanta, answer. Real quick, Atlanta. Sure. They need a quarterback, obviously. It's a good division. And the weak division's weak, so you have a chance. There's to some, I, there. We don't have enough time. There's something about each of those spots yeah. that is desirable outside of the Carolina Panthers, I think. Wow. All right. Well, Saturday was a historic night in Uptown Charlotte as the Charlotte Checkers and the Charlotte Knights came together to host the AHL Queen City Outdoor Classic at Truist Field. It was the first professional outdoor hockey game to be held in the city of Charlotte. A standing room only crowd as hockey fans watched the Checkers take down the Rochester Americans 5-2. In fact, it was so packed, Mike, that it actually set a new attendance record at Truist Field with 11,031 people in attendance. And the fans were in it the, the whole time. It was actually the most incredible, one of the most incredible atmospheres that I have been a part of, um, especially from FanFest before the game, the pregame entertainment. And of course, the boys got it done on the ice too. So just a nod to how far hockey has come here in Charlotte. I'm in a unique position because uh, I was here from day one. Um, when Michael Kahn uh, put the team in the American Hockey League. So it's kind of his vision um, from day one when he talked to us is about having a positive impact on the community. So we, we actually talked about it as a group to celebrate his hard work and uh, the impact he's had in the community here. So I think that was a celebration tonight for me um, from day one when he brought the team to the vision he has now. And uh, so I, I think it was a special moment for me, but I know it's special for him for sure. All right, two things about last night. One, hockey is absolutely supposed to be played outside. It was just incredible. It added so much to the atmosphere. Shout out to Charlotte because I wasn't sure how this was going to go. Like you see, I mean, they pack Bojangles occasionally, but this place was absolutely packed. It was awesome to see. The other thing, too, and the Knights and Checkers people might kill me, but they need to do this every year. I know that was a ton of work, so hats <laughs> off to everybody that was involved, and they're going to kill me for saying that, but it was awesome. Why can't they duplicate that? kind of atmosphere for home games like that at Bojangles because it looked amazing we were watching it on well the TV game Tuesday the game Tuesday sold out but that's because it was dollar tickets but it it was it was incredible it was just the the were festivities the, and everything were the fans invested in the game or oh yeah oh yeah they were in it the whole time I oh, mean wow. standing cheering everything 
And it was a, it was a pretty good game too. That's awesome. Yeah, they need to do that every year. I'm starting that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Checkers head coach Jordy, Jordy Kinnear called it a celebration of how far hockey has come in Charlotte. And no one knows that better than longtime Checkers season ticket holder Luther Fincher. We sit right up in section 101, seat D, seats 9 and 10. That's where Luther Fincher has sat for over 50 years. We've had two or three different franchises here with uh, had the checkers and uh, I bought the first tickets probably about 1970. But Charlotte's hockey history began long before that. In 1956, when a fire broke out in Baltimore and the displaced Baltimore Clippers needed a place to finish out their season. They sent the team down south here because we had a, the Coliseum was built and they had the ability to provide ice. The move, however, providing much more than just a temporary home for a northern hockey team. Several of us started working for the concession stands and stuff, and so we fell in love with hockey because it's rough, good sport like football. Now, football still reigns king in the South, but Luther has had a front row seat for just how far hockey has come here in Carolina. A lot of people who have moved to the area come from hockey areas because I grew up with no hockey here. And so we, if we played hockey, we played it on roller skates on a concrete uh, court, basketball court. So a lot has changed since Luther first bought his season tickets in Section 101, including the team that calls the Coliseum home. Oh, it's different. It's so different. I mean, they're in a different league. They're a much higher league, they're much more talented players now than we used to have and it's just grown. Now Luther is also a retired firefighter who was integral in starting the first fire and police hockey game that is now hosted annually by the Checkers and raises money for our local heroes. Well, it's the end of an era for two football coaching legends. Bill Belichick and Nick Saban have both already been replaced on the sidelines, although replacing their production is a different story. That's next. Holding the game winning kick in the final seconds of two Super Bowls uh, it, it, I hyperventilated one time. I almost choked on some confetti one time. But it's it's a feeling unlike no other. Wow. We sit down with a man who knows all about the Patriot way. Two-time Super Bowl champ Ken Walter joins us to break down the news that shook up the NFL world this week. And there's a Carolina connection involved, too. Find out what it is. We got more CSL coming your way after the break. It's a privilege um, to be to be chosen to be in this role. It's one I don't take lightly, um, and I know that Coach Saban's been working hard to make sure that this program is in a great spot for the next person to take over. A new era is underway in Tuscaloosa. The former head coach of national championship runner-up Washington now has an even tougher task than trying to win a title. Kalen DeBoer now replaces Nick Saban, who retired on Wednesday after 17 seasons and six natties with the Crimson Tide. DeBoer was officially introduced yesterday and is certainly massive shoes to fill there. But you know who is really good friends with Nick Saban? Who? Bill Belichick. Wow. They coached together in the 90s and even have their own HBO documentary. And just like Saban, Belichick called it quits this week, although he actually didn't retire after a 24-year run. The Patriots and Belichick agreed to part ways Thursday. This comes on the heels of Belichick's worst season as a head coach, in which the Patriots finished 4-13 this past year. Still, his overall legacy in New England is unmatched. The 71-year-old went to nine Super Bowls and the Pat with the Pats and won six. 
both beats are NFL records. Belichick was able to do it after arriving in New England in the midst of a down period for the franchise. What happened next was something not even he could have imagined. Uh, we had a vision of you know building a winner, building a championship football team here, and uh, that succeeded exceeded my my wildest dreams um, and expectations. Uh, the amount of success that we were able to achieve together. And when you think of the Patriots, maybe your first thought is Tom Brady, but your second thought, definitely Bill Belichick. He had 296 career wins with the Patriots. Only former Chicago Bears coach George Hallis had more wins than one team. So now a new era is set to begin in New England, and it will be led by Gerard Mayo. Mayo is a Patriot through and through. He spent his entire eight-year career in New England and has served as the team's inside linebackers coach since 2019. He will be introduced at a press conference on Wednesday, but now to Gabe McDonald, who's standing by with another man that is very familiar with the team that calls Foxborough home. Joining us now is a man that spent nine seasons in the NFL, actually started his career here in the Queen City for the Panthers, and then went on to win some hardware with the New England Patriots. Two-time Super Bowl champ punter Ken Walter. Ken, appreciate you joining us. How's the new year been treating you so far? So far, so good, Gabe. Appreciate you having me on. Of course, the big news in the world of football, got to get started. Bill Belichick stepping down, a man who coached you, a man that you've known for a long time. First off, what was your first reaction to the news? Where were you when you found out that the Bill Belichick and the Patriots were parting ways? You know, I think I was just, uh, I was at the house, just, uh, you know, there's a lot going on with the NFL, obviously. Uh, it seemed like almost every day for the last week, there's something going on. And uh, I remember seeing it, but at the same time, I was talking to uh, another former player who was uh, teammates with uh, on the Panthers. Uh, we were in the YMCA, and I said, you know, I, I bet when Bill and, and Mr. Kraft sit down, they're going to, it'll be silent for a minute, then they'll look at each other. And they'll probably say that was a pretty good run, um, you know. Despite what people always try to pick apart, what's the room like, and what's the temperature like, and why this and why that. Uh, Twenty-four years is a long time. Ten Super Bowls, six wins. Uh, it's unmatched. I mean, it's unbelievable um, to be a part of that personally. Um, to have been a part of Bill Belichick's first run as head coach uh, at the Cleveland Browns. I was a ball boy there. Um, and he wasn't really well liked there, but uh, I, you know, I got a good glimpse of, of how he handled himself there versus the New England Patriots and, and starting the dynasty. You mentioned being a ball boy back in Cleveland, so that relationship goes back even further than when you got started playing. How did that come about, and what was that experience like for you? You know, I had a buddy uh, in high school. His dad was the head equipment manager, Ed Carroll, um, for the Browns at the time, and just asked me if I wanted to work with uh, the specialists, the punters, the kickers, uh, because I was going to you know college to do that. I said, well, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, little did I know that there were going to be some tests from, from Bill Belichick himself. Um, I guess one of the scouts saw me punting uh, before practice one time, and, um, you know, I was hitting the ball pretty well. And, and then here I am. Uh, I, my name was on the, uh, on the schedule. It said ball boy warm-up before practice and after practice warm-up the punt returners. And so – you know, year after year, I did it for four years. And even when they moved to Baltimore, uh, I know Bill wasn't the coach then. Um, but, you know, it, it really got my name out there. When you look back over the past few years, of course, after Tom left in 2019, things have obviously didn't go the way that anybody wanted in the franchise. How do you think it came to this point where now they're parting ways and he still wants to coach in the NFL? So it seems like his career is not done. It's just his run in New England's done for now. 
Yeah, I think just, you know, you got to understand how difficult this business is and how difficult it is to win and then to win championships. You got to understand that, that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick together helped build that dynasty. And, and without that, I mean, it's just it was a storybook thing from from beginning from the start to the, to the finish. And you mentioned the top being at the mountaintop of football two different times, winning two Super Bowls. For those that don't know, because there's a lot of us regular folks that don't know what it's like to win a Lombardi Trophy, what were those two Super Bowls like? What were that moment like for you personally? You know, I'll tell you, as soon as you said that, I get goosebumps, right? I mean, I, I, I can't lie. Look, I, I held the game-winning kick for both Super Bowls. Uh, it was bittersweet for me to hold the one in Super Bowl 38 against my, my you know, former team. Um, who I met with uh, owner Jerry Richardson before the game and thanked him for my time uh, in Carolina because I hadn't seen him since. Um, and so it was, a, it was bittersweet seeing all the guys over there. But let me tell you, when you know holding the game when he kicked in the final seconds of two Super Bowls, uh, it, it, I hyperventilated one time. <laughs> I almost choked on some confetti one time. But it's, it's a feeling unlike no other because you work your entire life you know, as a kid, I want to be in the NFL or I want to be in this and I want to be in that. And to write that story um, and to feel that feeling, it's unmatched. Where do you think he does end up? There's a handful of openings around the NFL, including one here in Carolina. What do you think is next for Coach Belichick as he gets as he comes close to finishing up his career? Oh, man. It, it's a tough one. Uh, honestly, like. I would be probably luckier to roll dice and, and give the answer, but um, I, I could really see him at any organization. I mean, it, it's, I heard somebody say yesterday on ESPN, like, you know, don't rule out some of the teams that are in the playoffs right now, because if, if you're an owner and you say, hmm, Bill Belichick is available right now, what would he do for our, our, our team Absolutely. in the next two, three years? So, you know, uh, I think it's anywhere, anywhere, man. I mean, there, anywhere would be lucky enough to get. And I guess going off that real quick, too, what do you think is next for the Carolina Panthers? Obviously, you live here in the Carolinas. I'm sure you've been following the team closely, still close with a lot of guys that you started your career with. What do you think is next year? Because obviously looking for a coach and a GM for the first time in the same offseason in about 22 years or so. Yeah, I mean, they're in a tough situation. There's no, I mean, there's no question about that. Um, you know, in, in terms of, you know, I don't know what they have for the cap, but I don't think it's a whole lot. Um, you know, but they they do. They got to fill some holes, and they got to be smart about it. And they got to bring a guy in. They want it. They want an offensive, from what we hear anyway, an offensive-minded coach. I mean, they just they just had one. Um, you know, I, I can go on and say, you know, I don't I don't understand some of the firings and whatnot. But you know, that's all that's all in the past. So what, what we got in front of us is. You know, they got to bring in a guy that can work with a general manager, that can work with the owner and start, you know, piecing this thing and, and what what is, you know, the most important thing and start attacking it that way and go down the list. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see who they bring in and, and how they can all work together because that's going to be, I mean, it's obviously, it hasn't worked in, in the last five years. So they need they need three people that can work together. Absolutely. Anything they can do to get this franchise back on the right foot. Ken Walter, two-time Super Bowl champ. Appreciate the time, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you. We'll see you. All right. Good stuff, Gabe. Well, straight ahead, Michigan's national title wasn't just a big deal in Ann Arbor. It was also a cause for celebration in Gastonia. Why, it was an especially emotional occasion for one local family.
Hail to the victors! Michigan football fans bundled up to cheer on their national champion Wolverines during a parade in Ann Arbor on Saturday. An estimated 50,000 students and fans showed up to celebrate Michigan's first football national championship since 1997. They may have also gotten a final glimpse of head coach Jim Harbaugh rocking the maize and blue. He's reportedly planning to meet this week with the Los Angeles Chargers about their opening for head coach. Michigan is still trying to sign Harbaugh to a contract extension, although all signs point to him leaving for the NFL. Oh, and when the Michigan Wolverines won the national championship last Monday night, the first person I thought of was a kid I met when I worked back at my last job. Demetrius Walker was a lifelong Wolverines fan who got to share a special moment with the team before his passing last year. Today, his legacy lives on, both in his home state of Michigan as well as surprisingly right here in North Carolina. Michigan football, first and go. If you were to ask me to describe Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh, this is not how I would do it. He definitely has a heart. I think he's a teddy bear as well. Clearly, Gastonia resident Liana Bell knows something I don't. Having covered Jim when I worked in Grand Rapids, Michigan, I got to know him as a cantankerous coach. She and her family, however, got to know him in a much different light. Coach Harbaugh reached out to me and was like, hey, Liana, I was like, um, hi. Harbaugh had heard about Liana's son, who at one point might have been on the Wolverines' radar. Demetrius Walker was a star athlete from Muskegon High School who boasted numerous Division I offers. But U of M was the one he was waiting on. He was just like, I just want Michigan. I'm ready for Michigan. He, gonna, he was going to get it. But when Harbaugh called in the fall of 2022, it obviously wasn't going to happen. Demetrius was dying from cancer, and Harbaugh wanted to do something special for him. This was the day that we were invited to the big house, and this is his first touchdown with Harbaugh and the boys. The day was chronicled by ESPN and other national outlets. It's an experience Liana still thinks about, now more than a year after her son's death. I have a lot of videos of us going through that tunnel, so I definitely relive that moment all the time. Jim and his wife apparently do as well. Even though Liana left Michigan for North Carolina last year, the Harbaugh's have not lost touch. They just encourage me and tell me how great Michi was and how he has changed their life. He inspired them to keep believing. And while it was a joy to see the Wolverines finally win it all this past week, Liana took greater pleasure whenever Harbaugh would bring up her son's name during media interviews. You know, when people pass, you would think the world will stop, but it just keeps going. And he's just never forgotten. The entire thing is bittersweet. He's supposed to be here. He was supposed to be here celebrating with us. Instead, Demetrius is now an immortal Wolverine. It's like a, I felt the presence. Still inspiring, still connecting, and still bringing out the best in everyone. And in addition to Harbaugh, Michi's mother says the family keeps in touch with a number of the players, too. One guy they talk to a lot is J.J. McCarthy. Michigan quarterback also happened to be Michi's favorite player. Now, actually, I should say former Michigan quarterback, Miss McCarthy, is now leaving Ann Arbor. Today he announced he's foregoing his final year of eligibility to enter the NFL draft. McCarthy passed for nearly 3,000 yards this past season to go along with 22 touchdowns and just four interceptions. ESPN is taken as the fifth best quarterback in this year's draft class. He's a national champion, but 
be a crown winner. Find out next. 36 days, count them. That's uh, Shaq's jersey number when he was in the Celtics. That's all that remains until the NASCAR season starts for 2024 and it starts for the Daytona 500. We're gonna have coverage all week live from the track leading up to the big day. We're talking exclusive interviews with the drivers, teams, and more. The Great American Race is almost here and all of it will be right here on Fox Charlotte, Queen City News. Time to hand out the crowns. Grace, you're up first. All right, well, you already made your basketball reference, and my crown tonight oh should get you so excited. Look at this. I love this. This is a full-blown, like, full-court, NBA-sized court in the middle of the Indianapolis airport. This has Mike Lissette written all over it. Would I you, missed you're my waiting flight. for a flight. Yeah. I missed my flight. How about, this is like your perfect layover situation. I, I missed my flight for that. That looked pretty cool. <laughs> uh, well, we talked Michigan. We got to equal it out. Michigan State here. This is going out to Tom Izzo's son, Steven. Took him 44 games, but the fifth year walk-on for the Spartans finally scored his first <laughs> three points. Happened in the second half of Spartans 73-55 blowout win over Rutgers. And you saw it, he was also fouled. Coach Isle must have been really proud because moments later, Steven composed himself and knocked down the free throw for the three points. Like that's a coach's coach son should. All right, well, that's going to do it for us tonight. For Mike Lissette and Gabe McDonald, I'm Grace Grill. Have a good night, everybody.